excited. We're going from, from summer into fall. The only thing not exciting about summer into fall is that tells me that, that winter is right around the corner. And that just, it's some, who, who loves winter? You're like, I can't wait for winter. We've got a few. All right. Who's sad that summer is going away? Anybody? Anybody? We got a few of those. Okay. So uh, I kind of like the, the fall time. I like the, the little bit of, uh, it, it's still kind of warm, but, it, you know, it starts to get a little bit more manageable to my, my body temperature, you know, but it's not winter yet. So anyways, uh, in case you wanted to know, we're starting a brand new series um, today, and it's just called I Have Decided, and we're going to talk uh, over the next few weeks, today and three more weeks, we're going to talk about um, major decisions that we all need to make, and, uh, and, some, and in fact, you're, you'll make a decision uh, um, whether you know it or not in some of these, but we've we got to make a decision. And so there's, a, so there's a four major decisions, and we're going to talk about one of them today, um, and it's just entitled, I Have Decided. Today we're going to talk about, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And uh, uh, there's, a, there's lots of decisions um, I've made over, over my lifetime, good and bad, you too, and I was thinking about some decisions I've made. Um, first, I was thinking, man, there's been some, there's been some horrible decisions that I've made, and I, and, and I thought you guys would want to know about, about some of them. Um, some of you probably, if, you, if you're around my wife at all, and right now she's, she's with our, our uh, eight-week-old baby in the mother's room. By the way, if this is your first time to our church, that is absolutely the best room in the whole building nice comfy chairs and you get to, anyways and I, I think the I think the women go up there and, and they talk to each other instead of listening to my message I'm always like so what I preach about on Sunday honey and she's like well uh she gets out the notes and uh, anyways anyways but so uh, there's been some decisions that, that I've made that have been poor like talking about my wife just now that would be a poor decision um and, uh, but one, one decision I'm thinking about here, a um, couple years ago, do you guys remember the blizzard that came and kind of uh, hit Kearney? We had about 18 inches of snow, if you were here. And, and, uh, and so there was, a, there was a, a, a poor decision I made during that time. The blizzard had come through, um, and now, the, now the, the streets were filled with snow, and it looked great. We had these snow drifts that were like up to, uh, I don't know, it would be exaggerating. It was at least up to here and, and, uh, and, and all that. And so we were sitting at home. It was, it was the snow day and all this stuff. And finally, we had too much uh, sitting at home. And I thought, let's just pile the family in the car and let's get out of here. And, um, but obviously, the, the, the roads weren't quite cleared yet. I thought, no, no problem. We'll just go to Hy-Vee. We'll get a few things that we need, get the family out of the house. Uh, it ended up being a poor decision. We, we make it to Hy-Vee, but, uh, um, and, and we make it just fine. We go in, and then I get, I get stuck while she's in the, in the store. I'm stuck, and these, the good, these good Samaritans come over and help me get unstuck in the, in the parking lot. And then, and then uh, um, Becky wants to, to drive home. And I'm not saying that that, that wasn't the poor decision. The, 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 the poor decision's coming up. And so, uh, so we're, uh, we're, we're out there, and we're in the parking lot. We, we get going, and we go down. I don't know if you've ever been to Hy-Vee, but there's the, the, that side road that kind of goes by the gas station. And so we pull onto this road, and, and Becky's, um, uh, the, the back of the car she's driving, and it starts to go like this. And I'm thinking, oh, no, we've got Aria and Kaylee in here, and we're about ready to, to just to crash. Something's going to, and then we're going to sit there forever, and it's cold outside and all that. And so I just say, Becky, floor it. Don't put the brakes on. Just floor it. And, and, and she's like, no brakes. I'm like, no brakes. And she just, and we're like, whoa, we're going through. And we get out and we're all like, like breathing our blood pressures through the roof. And I just thought to myself, poor decision to leave the house today. Has any of you made a poor decision like that before? That was a poor decision. Um, I was, one other poor, you guys want one more poor decision? You're like, give it to me. Give me a poor decision. I made a poor decision. I, I remember when I was 15 years old, just got my uh, learner's permit to drive. And uh, that's an exciting time in any, in any person's life. And I, uh, I remember it was 4th of July. And uh, grandparents were over at the house, and dad and I were going to, we were going to go get ice cream. But when you're a kid, when you just get your learner's permit, you want to leave the house anytime you get because you want to be the one to, to drive. Mom, can I drive? Dad, can I? So I decided, I was able to drive. So I get in the car, dad's next to me. And by the way, I'll just tell you this, my, my parents, um, bless their hearts, they um, did not help the situation of me learning to drive. 
um, because they were so stressed out every time. I, I wanted my grandpa to teach me to drive because he was, he was just, he was fine. Dad and mom, I mean, I'm like, I mean, they're like, watch out for this, watch out for that. No, no, no. I'm like, what? And they, they, you know, like when you go to driver's ed and you have like the brake on both sides of the vehicle, like they wanted that. They, any of you parents, you want the brake on your side of the vehicle? So anyway, so, so we're leaving July 4th. Um, I get to drive, and everything's going just fine. I'm an expert driver, and I, we get to a, uh, an intersection. Now, if you guys have been here in the last few weeks, you've heard me talk about Arizona and definitely more fast-paced, multiple lanes of traffic, all this. We get up to the left-hand turn lane, and, uh, and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, but then all of a sudden my dad just wants to, you know, be the... Uh, you know, the backseat driver, armchair quarterback, and he's like, hey, just want you to know there's a cop sitting over there in the intersection. Oh, my goodness, why did he say that? Because, I don't know, for some reason, I don't know if I have trouble with authority or whatever, but my heart just started, you know, and then I started sweating and, and getting really hot and all this, and uh, so light turns green, and I'm, we're going left, and I just decided it's my turn, and I just went. Thought I'd get out of there as fast as I could. Little did I realize there's also oncoming traffic. And, and so, the, so the, the cars were coming, and I was going to turn left. I'm like, whoops, I swerve. These cars swerve. They go into the median, and they're all blowing tires. And I go up onto to, uh, you know, the curb, and I blow three tires and bend a rim. And I'm just, we're sitting there, and I'm like, Whew. I saw that going differently in my head. And a cop finally comes up. I mean, it's middle of July, Arizona. It's a dry heat, by the way. And, and uh, he comes up, and he's like, you could have picked a, a, a cooler month to do this in, son. And I'm like, thanks. Thanks a lot. That was a, anyone agree that's a poor decision? Poor decision. Wait for the oncoming traffic. I've made some really good decisions I've, I, I, I would like to, to think in my life. One of them, um, you know, our, our decision to move to Kearney, Nebraska. Anyone want to say yeah? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Seven, seven years ago, uh, July, seven years ago, actually, July 4th. Everything happens on July 4th, evidently. Uh, but seven years ago, um, we decided, we made the choice. Um, after listening to the Lord, we felt like God was calling us out here, and we chose to move to Kearney, and the rest is history. And uh, this is, uh, it's been a great move. Love raising our kids in this area. Love this church. I was just walking through. No one was here. I get here before everyone on Sundays, and I was just thinking, you know what? Uh, this is a great church. And I just love you guys and love being a part of it. And I would say, but probably the best decision, and because I talked about her at the beginning, I need to, like, dig myself out of the hole with my wife. I want to let you know, the best decision, I think, uh, um, besides Jesus, was uh, deciding to marry Becky. And I was, yeah. It was, a, it was an incredible decision. I definitely, and most guys probably feel this way, definitely married up. Um, and uh, I probably would be in debt three times over if it weren't for her because she is, like, she's the money person, knows, knows all that stuff, walks in wisdom, and, uh, and she's a giver and all those things. And, but I, I remember making the, the decision. Now, I'll tell you, I'll be honest, she had to make the decision as well, and I was a little nervous about that part because I was clear on my decision. And, uh, um, and, and so I was, I was hoping, man, man, oh, man, you know, would you, would you pick me, please? You know, and, and, but so I, I, remember, I remember that. I chose in my heart to, that I was going to ask her, and, um, and it came around one of, our, one of our anniversaries. I don't know, when you're, when you're like, first together, it's like you, you have, like, your three-week anniversary and your seven-week anniversary. I don't know what anniversary it was, but uh, we had known each other for just a little bit. Uh, I think it was... Um, I think we, this was now maybe like our one year of like of like knowing each other or whatever. And I there was there was two anniversaries. There was a uh, there was I think there was a I can't remember exactly what it was, but we but there was two like right back to back. And one night I decided we're gonna go out to the nice restaurant and everything. And I did it all up. And I wanted to make her think I was gonna ask her to marry me, but I wasn't really going to, I, you know, because I thought she's gonna suspect that I'm gonna do this. And so I, so we, uh, so we go out to this nice restaurant and we do this and uh, and she's like, I could tell she's a little nervous and and I'm fine tonight, you know, I'm fine and, and everything's going good and we go home and all that stuff and and uh, so then so then uh, the next day, same, now I don't know how I afforded all this. When I go back to think about how I afforded these nice restaurants, I don't know how I afforded it, but um, it was Jesus probably. It was a miracle. And so, but the next day I went to a nice restaurant, and now this night I am so nervous. And she's like, what's wrong, Jonathan? I'm like, oh, 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 nothing, 
you know, my heart's beating, my hands are sweating, and I'm just like, I don't know, I had to, I had to get up and go use the restroom multiple times, and I'm just sitting looking in the mirror, splashing water, and I'm like, you can do this, you can do this, so this was that night, and, uh, and so we, we leave the, the restaurant, and, uh, and we go to this place in Des Moines, Iowa called Gray's Lake, and there's this bridge, and, uh, and at night, it lights up with all different kinds of colors and things like this, and, and I had brought a backpack um, uh, with some different items, some sparkling juice, because, you know, we, cause, you know, we don't, we don't do the, the real stuff, and, and so we did the sparkling juice, and, the, and I got these, these cups, and then uh, on my phone, we played a real romantic song, put it on the bridge, and I grabbed, we started, and, and she's a little, a little embarrassed, because there's people walking by, but I'm like, I don't care, so we're, gonna, we're dancing on the bridge, and then pretty soon, I get down on one knee, and I give her the ring, and she says yes, and it was just, I mean, she probably has a little bit more romantic version of that whole deal, but, but I'll tell you what, that was the best decision. Um, besides Jesus that I've ever made. And, and uh, some of you guys, some poor decisions that we've all made, great decisions that we've all made. I want to talk about um, the most important decision today, and that's to follow Jesus. There's this phrase that we're using today, I have decided to follow Jesus. And, uh, and so the question then that we have to all consider is, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus. What does that really mean? And, and as in a group this size, if I were to pull the audience, so to speak, there would be all kinds of different thoughts. And, and well, it means this, and it means that, and, and we'd go around, everyone write it down. We'd probably have lots of different, different uh, reasons and meanings and all of these things. And what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And in, in other words, what is actually expected of those who would say, I'm a follower? Of Jesus. Uh, and the reason it's important is because we're living in a time where following is really based on convenience instead of conviction. And in fact, you know this because um, I would say in a group this size that a lot of us, um, even, even gray hairs, a lot of us are on uh, social media. I, I think that the uh, statistics are like three out of every four people um, are on Facebook or something like that. And, and so you guys know, like, so we're, we're in an age where following is, is a little bit more about convenience than, than conviction. Even on social media, you can follow whoever you want. It's like, I get to like this person or choose not to like that person and, and if you're not familiar with social media, you're gonna, you'll understand here in a minute. There's all these different platforms. There's, like, there's Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I just heard oh, um, all the kids are doing Snapchat, right, and uh, all of these things. I'm like, and, and, and I'm like, man, you can, you can just choose to like or, or, or unlike. You can choose to follow or unfollow. In fact, I follow some different people. And what that means is, is when, I, when I click follow or when I click like, then then all of the things that that person uh, wants to say to the whole world ends up coming in my, my stream. Like all of their ideas, all of their thoughts, all of their posts, I like them, I click. And all of a sudden when I open up my Facebook or my Twitter or my whatever, all of a sudden like all of their, in fact, I'll be honest, sometimes it's too much. Um, there's some people uh, that I'm like, man, they... It's like, it's like every other minute, like post, 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 post. And it just floods my stream. And how many know, it's, it's like a powerful feeling when you can say, you know what? Unfollow. <laughs> Unlike, you know, like, uh, like that's way too much information. Unfollow. Don't you like that? Don't you just feel like, oh, yeah. You know, but we, we think of following like that. Like, it's just as easy to, to, to I'm going to follow, I follow some sports figures. I follow some political people. I follow some preachers online. And, all, and we think, oh, I'm just going to follow or I'm just going to unfollow. And when Jesus is talking here in just a few minutes about following, it's totally different. When, when, they, when you talk about following Jesus, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't this matter of convenience. It wasn't just like, yeah, there's too many things in that stream, unfollow. It was like, like, like I'm all in. I'm going for it. And, uh, and so we, we, uh, we're, we're talking about that today. What does it mean to you? How serious are you in this whole thing called Christianity? What's it mean when you say, I am a follower of Jesus. And so today we're going to explore not really even what I think and not even what you think. We're just going to go to a place in scripture where I think we're going to find out what Jesus thinks about following. And here's the thought if you're taking notes and you want to just write down like one thought today, my decision to follow Jesus means that I let go of what the world offers and I fully surrender to Jesus as Lord. 
I just want to get, get real simple, you know. Well, what's it mean? Well, in, in my, now we're going to find out what Jesus, I think Jesus is going to say pretty much the same thing. But, but when I'm looking at this thought, my decision to follow Jesus means I let go of what the world offers and I just fully surrender to what he has to offer and to, to him as Lord and Savior. And so if you're with me, uh, if you have your Bible or, or if you, there's an app for that I hear, you can click or you can turn or you can whatever. And we also are going to have it here, up here on the screen. Mark 8. Uh, starting in verse 27, if you want to go there with me. Mark 8. Jesus went out, I'm sorry, Jesus went out with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And it's important to stop there for a minute. As you, if you're into this stuff and you're, you're into like Bible history and, and places and dates and all this stuff, then, then you start to think about, well, why, why would they put that here? And it's actually an, an interesting um, thing in the scripture because Caesarea Philippi, I, I believe it's in the northern part of Israel, and it was known to be influenced by Greek and Roman culture. Um, by They had gods and, and temples to gods and all of these different things that different people would worship all these, these different things. And so Jesus is taking his best friends, his disciples, and they're on this journey. They're walking around the villages around Caesarea Philippi, and, and he's getting ready to have an important conversation in the context of really what the world has to offer. This is, I, I can imagine, because he always did things on purpose. He, he never just, it wasn't just like accidentally. He always, so I believe he's here on purpose. And in the midst of, of these different idols and these different places of worship, and how many know in our culture, we may not have like a stone or a brass idol that we bow down to, but there's all kinds of idols, right? There's all kinds of things. In, in other words, what's that mean? Things that take our attention. Things that, that, that you know, you look at your, you look at your checkbook or, or you, where your money goes and you, and you look at your time and you start to find the things that take your attention that could become idols. And so in this culture, Jesus was, was dressing some of those same things. He's in this Caesarea Philippi area and he's looking at, hey, hey, uh, this is what the world has to offer. And in the midst of that context, then he starts to have a conversation with his, with his best friends, with those that are following him. And, and it goes on, it says, on the road, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And, and he was wondering, who do they? Who do all these people around here? The world. Who do people say that I, that I am? All these people surrounding Caesarea Philippi, all the Jews in Israel, all the, what's the rumors? What's going on on Facebook? You know, what are people, what's going viral these days? What, who do people say that I am? And, uh, and, and it, was an, it was an interesting question. Jesus was wondering, what are people saying? And so then they answered him in verse 28, up here on the screen, they, they answered him, John the Baptist Others, Elijah, still others, one of the prophets, which was a really interesting response to this. If you think about it, John the Baptist was recently beheaded. The, Elijah has been dead for hundreds of years, and these prophets have been dead for a long time. And so, so the answer here, well, who, are, who do they say that I am? Well, you're, you're a, a reincarnated John the Baptist or Elijah or one of these prophets, it, it, you start to, to see that, that this area was full of superstition and all of these gods and all of these places that they absolutely, in fact, the going thought of that day was that Jesus was a reincarnated superhuman person doing superhuman tricks and, uh, and people were, were coming to see his, his show on the road. And, and so he's like, who do people say that I am? Well, they say this. They say this. That's who the world says that I am. And so then he, then he asks the question, verse 29, but you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Well, Peter's the one that um, he always answers first. He's the one, right? He's like, I got this. I know this one. And he's always wanting to be the best and whatever. And I know this one. I got the answer. And, and, and so and Peter, Peter answers. He says, you're the Messiah. You're the Messiah. Other versions say, you're the Christ. And, and you know, he actually got this uh, mostly right. It's just that he didn't quite understand it yet. Uh, Peter, Peter starts to get this, get this right. He's like, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. Well, yes. Like, Good, ding, 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 you got it. I'll take Christ for 500, Alex. And like he, he, he got the answer, but he didn't really understand the answer 
yet. Because, because Peter, along with the rest of his disciples and those following, they were thinking the Messiah is coming. He's going to set up an, an earthly kingdom. He's going to overthrow Rome. We're going to kick butt. And he was thinking, hey, you'll be the president, and I'm going to be your chief of staff. Right? They're thinking this. They're thinking, like, you remember later on, he's like, who's the greatest, Jesus? They're asking Jesus, who, who gets to be the greatest in your kingdom? Who gets to be like chief of staff or in your, in your cabinet or in your council? Who gets to be, you know, and we, recent months ago we, we had the whole election process and everyone that Trump's picking for this, that, and the other thing. And, and, and I can imagine these guys, like, they know Jesus is the real deal, but they're like, yeah, I get to be your chief of staff. And Jesus is starting to, to show, wait a minute, you want to know what it really means to follow me? Well, let's continue the conversation. And so he says, he says, who do you say that I am? Well, you're the Messiah. And then he strictly warned them to tell nobody about him. And, uh, and he goes on in verse 31. Then he began to teach them that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and, and be killed, by the way, and rise after three days and and, and it says that he spoke openly about this. And Peter be- took him aside and began to rebuke him. But it's interesting that Peter began to rebuke him. That didn't last very long. So suffer, rejected, killed. And there, this is like going against, wait a minute. I thought you were going to be president. And I was going to be your chief of staff. What's, 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 what's this? What's this whole thing about? And so he starts to, to really flip the script here of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I like how he says he spoke openly uh, about this. And in another place, in another version, it says he spoke plainly. And it's like, you know, what I'm really wanting to do with you today is, um, you know, we have fun and, and we joke. Sometimes people say I joke too much. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, err on the side of too much jokes. That's, what, that's my motto. And, and we do, we have fun and, and, and all this. But this decision, this is the, the, the biggest decision you're going to ever make. I mean, this is, uh, this is literally, this is life or death. This is, this is the thing. This is the, the, the full meal deal. This is heaven, hell. This is like, like this, is, this is big. And, and so I like what he says. He spoke openly or he spoke plainly. That's what I'm hoping to do with you today is just kind of leave it all out there on the table and, and that there'll be decisions that, um, that maybe that you have to wrestle with. And it goes on then. In, uh, in verse 33, but turning around and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. <laughs> I, I like that Peter tried to rebuke him. He began to rebuke him. Now Jesus turns and to, to rebuke Peter. And, and, and so we hear this. Now, um, I wouldn't recommend saying what Jesus said to anybody, especially your mother. But um, tried that one time. He rebuked Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Another version of the Bible says, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. And, and isn't this how we often define following? Right? It's like, what's in it for me? How does it affect me? Uh, how, how much is life all about us or, or all about God? I mean, this is when we're talking about the social media thing and and. Like, unlike, follow, unfollow. It's just easy. It's like, like I'm going to follow who I want to follow, and I'm going to not follow who I, and, and Jesus is breaking it down here. Like, this is, this is how we view following. And he says, you're not thinking about me. You're not thinking about God's concerns. You don't have in mind the things of God. You have in mind, like, your own thoughts, the things of man, the things of this world. Like, like there's a disconnect when, you, when you're thinking about following, and when I think about following, we're thinking about two different things, is what Jesus said. And so he, so he goes on, and uh, in verse 34, the now, now he calls the whole crowd around. He's like, he's like you, you guys don't get it, and they don't get it. Let's just get everyone in the same room, and let's talk about this thing. And he calls the crowd together in verse 34, and he says, calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, and can we just stop here for a second at this comma? There's a little bit more to that verse, but if anyone wants to follow after me, do you ever just think, well, what comes after this? I mean, the, his disciples, 
in the crowd, they're thinking different things. I guarantee, guarantee you they, they were not thinking what Jesus is going to say next. Well, what's it mean to follow? He said, if anyone wants to come follow me. And then you pause for a moment, and you just wonder what they're thinking in their heads. The crowd, his closest friends. You already know Peter wants to be his chief of staff. And it goes on. Here's the next part. If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And now it starts to get real. See, because if you really want to get what this is all about, you have to understand, well, it's not about what's in it for you. And isn't that what we want when we make any big decision? We, we weigh out the consequences, and, and we're reading the fine print. Some of you don't read the fine print. Some of you guys are like, click accept, right? You know, any, anything that comes, like, yeah, I'm not reading all that. Boom, you know. And, but, but, but there's at least three of you that read the fine print. And, and, but we're, what are we wondering? We're like, how does this affect me? What's in it? What's, what's in it for me? It's interesting here because he's saying, he literally is saying, it's not about what's in it for you. That we have to get to the point where we live our life for him. And, and for a lot of us, and even me at different parts of my life, it's like, it's like man, I, I totally believe that he is who he says he is. And I, and I kind of want the benefits of the kingdom, but, but I also want to do my thing. And, and, and so it's really like, how can I fit this into to my life? How can I? And, and he's saying, well, wait a minute. What it means to follow me is that like you're all, you're all in and that it's actually not about you anymore. It's about me. And, it, and it's really interesting. Man, I've had to wrestle with those thoughts in my life. And I'm sure some of you have had to wrestle. Maybe you're wrestling with that right now. Like, wait a minute, to follow Jesus? That means it's all about him? And then he says, and, and take up the cross. And the cross, like, the cross is this, like, beautiful, romantic piece of jewelry. You know, we've got, uh, Pastor Bo, a few years ago, made these crosses that light up on our stage, and, and, uh, and they look beautiful. They're actually made out of pallet wood, you know, because that's the thing, you know, you're like, you're like, uh, you find something and you, you make it look nice and then you can sell it for lots of money. You know, wait, that came from the dumpster, and, but it looks cool. And, uh, and, then, and then like uh, years and years ago, if you, if you, I don't, some of you know uh, John Schwab in our church, and he made this beautiful cross out in our, in our welcome area in our foyer. And, and then even more cool than all of that is, I think it was still John, I don't know, he tends to make most everything around here, but uh, the cross out on the hill. And uh, what was it, just this, this last week, the total eclipse, and there was people that came out to our hill and watching it from the cross, and it was such a cool thing. But we look at the beautiful cross, and we look at, man, it's beautiful, and sometimes it's even almost like romantic, and it's like this thing, and, and it becomes this piece of jewelry. But when he's telling them, when Jesus is talking to his friends here, and he says, he says and take up your cross, like they're not thinking beautiful and romantic. In their world, in their context, they're thinking execution, persecution, capital offense. In other words, it's like we wear little crosses around our necks. We would have, it would almost be like we should be wearing an electric chair around our neck. A, a, a little miniature, beautiful, romantic gas chamber, right? And that's what he's saying. He's like, he's like, he's like take, if anyone wants to come after me, he, he must deny himself and take up his cross. In other words, die. And some of them are, are literally going to die. You read the, the history of these disciples, and some of them like, die some incredible deaths. But he's also saying like, not, even, not just a physical death, but that you de in this denying yourself is almost like you're dying to yourself. That it's not about me anymore. It's all about him. And so that symbol of the cross isn't just this beautiful romantic thing anymore. It's a symbol of saying, I lay it all down. That just like he laid it all down, I'm laying it all down. And that's what he was saying. And that's what they started to understand. You can start to see Peter thinking, so, so no chief of staff? Like, we, is that what we're, that's what we're saying here? It's starting to get real. It's starting to get honest. And it goes on in verse 35, and he's explaining this. In verse 35, he says, For whoever wants to save his life 
will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. In other words, watch, you're going to lose it anyways. Like, you're going to die. I, I, I feel like I need to get a little more growly with that. Like, you're going to die, right? We got to get a little, little like, like from the south, right? And I'm going to die, right? We got to make it sound like this is like we're for real. Like, you know that's true. That the, like the, the 100% out of 100%, we're all going to die. We will die someday. Doctors are going to die. Those that eat organic food are going to die. They're going to die with a bad taste in their mouth, but they're going to die. We're all, we're all going to die. And he's saying that you're going you're gonna to die anyways. For whoever wants to save his life, you're going to lose it. Whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel, he says, you're actually going to, to save it. If you're going to make this life all about you, he's saying you're going to lose it anyways. He goes on in verse 36. And he says, for what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? Like you've gained it all. I mean, this is, and this is where, like, every one of us has thought this if we've ever been to a funeral. We're sitting there, and there's a casket, and I don't know if whether, you know, and, and some of that's real to a lot of us in this room, even recently. And, but isn't that what we, we look, and, and we're all thinking, like, this is just a short period of time. Like, it's, a, it's like but a vapor. Like, our life is represented by a dash between two numbers on a tombstone, and we all think about this thought when we're at funerals, like, this is going to end, and I didn't see a U-Haul behind that hearse. We don't get to take it with us. And, and, he's, and, and it starts to become real in that moment, and then we go and we eat potato salad and we forget about it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? And he says, or, or what can anyone give in exchange for his life. And have you ever thought that? Like, like if I were to give something in exchange to get life back or to get my soul, another, another version of the Bible says to get, to get my soul, what would I get? I mean, I would almost give, I'd almost give anything to have life. I'd almost give anything. I don't want to give my soul away. I would almost give anything. And we start to think about these like, I mean, this is a huge decision. This is a big deal. This isn't like, like unlike, follow, unfollow. This is, this is the real deal. And he goes on in verse 38, right at the end of this chapter, he says, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And, and, and there's a lot jam-packed in there, but bottom line, in other words, he's saying, this is an important decision. <laughs> that you, you, I've chosen you, but you need to choose me. You need to choose me. And by choosing me, you're choosing life. By choosing me, like, you gain everything. You think you're losing. I like there was a song a while back that says, this is no sacrifice. Here's my life. In other words, the, the author of the song was saying, I know it seems like right now that I'm making this huge sacrifice by following you and laying it all down. He's like, but really, in all reality, I get to gain everything. He says, so I, I choose you. I lay it all down. And so it's the most important decision. And so why are we talking about this in this, this first of, of four in this series that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. Why is it? This is a huge decision. It's because we're all on a journey, and we're all at a different place on this, on this journey uh, in our following Jesus. And it's my job as a pastor to just continually encourage us to take that next step in this journey to fully follow him, to remind us, hey, it's important. Guess what? Remember, church, it's important to fully follow him. Remember, whether we've been following Jesus for a long time or whether we're just considering it today, like, this is huge. This isn't just like, hey, I'd like to, you know, burger and fries, and I'd like to go to heaven too. Like, like it's, not, it's not just something you tack on. It's something where, and I would, man, I just wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't say, hey, guess what? This is the most important decision, and, and it, like, it'll, it's free, but it'll cost you everything. And that's it, because if you didn't know that going in, then you might think, oh, man, this, this thing's easy. And, and, and it's not always easy, but it is so worth it. It is so rewarding. And that's what he's saying here. And if I 
if we, you know, the reason why we, we teach on, on stuff like this every once in a while is because it actually doesn't make sense on the surface. And so we have to, like, dig deep and open it up and say, okay, hey, guess what? Like, to follow Jesus, I know, you know, like, this, to have life, and we think, we think oh, in this life, um, like, I want to the, make the most of it and all of this, so I'm just going to live it up, you know? I'm going to make the most, you know, you, know uh, you only live once, right? And, so we, and, and, uh, and Jesus is say, wait a minute, no, 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 that's not it. Like, go figure out how to make the most of this life for him. And in turn, you'll not only find great life in this life, but you also find eternal life. And that's the cool thing. Like, the deception out there is Satan wants you to think, hey, man, just... Live it up. You can always, like, like, accept Jesus right at the last minute, right? You know, you can always, like, just live it up. And, and God's like, no, don't do that. Like, like, totally live it up for me. Like, totally be all in for me. And, and what, you, what Satan's not telling you is that, guess what? You're actually going to find incredible life here and, and also eternal life. There's, there's one, one more verse. You guys, can I give you one more verse? There's one more verse. There's a, the, another book, Luke. And he shares the same story that, Je- uh, that we just heard about Jesus and his disciples. He shares the exact same story. And yet, but he puts one word in that's just a, a little bit different. Um, in Luke 9, verse 23, it should be up here real quick. Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. We just heard that. And take up his cross daily and follow me. There's this whole thing. Yeah, there's this, there's this one time decision. There's that decision that you make. That, and some of you in your story, you're like, I remember the day I chose to follow Jesus. Some of you guys remember that. And, but there's also this thing that folks, all of us in this room, every person at the sound of my voice, we, we daily have to choose this. Like it's a process. Like, like I'm, uh, hopefully I'm closer in my following. Like I'm more committed in my following today than I was yesterday, right? Like it's, this, it, it's a one-time decision and there's a progression where Luke pulls this extra word in. He says, he says, take up your cross every day. Like, do this, do this daily. There's a process in following. And, and so then, in other words, Jesus is, I think he's telling us this, wherever you find yourself on this journey, well, find yourself and take the next step. What's that next step look like for you? I want to show you just real quick how it look, might look in the context of this church, but, but it's really any church and, and, and any place that you might find yourself. Um, but all of us kind of fit into this um, at some place, and maybe you'll find, maybe as I'm reading this, you'll find, and you'll think, oh, that's me. And, and so then you know where you are, and then the encouragement will be, okay, just take the next step. And, and so the first, the first kind of uh, step here is the crowd. And, and this is, some of you may find yourself in the crowd, and this is, Jesus addressed the crowds, and he, he would address crowds, and he would do miracles, and, and, and he would do that, and, and even when, when he would call some of his first disciples, like I remember when he called Peter, and, and they, were, they were out fishing, they couldn't catch fish all night, and he, and he says, Jesus says, well, throw the, the nets on the other side, and, and they're like, what? Like, we're fishermen, and we know what to do, and they're like, fine, we'll try it, and they tried it, and they pulled in like the greatest catch ever, and the boat starts to sink, and they're like, like, you must be God, you know, right? Like, this is awesome. And, and Jesus would do some of that stuff. And, and what was he saying to the crowd? He was saying, come and see. Come and see. And th- this, is, this is that thought. He's like, hey, guess what? Come, come, and, come and check this out. Come and see. And some of you may be in that spot today, and we're just saying, hey, come and see. Just come and check this out. Just hang out for a while. Just come and see. And, and, and I just guarantee you that the Lord's just going to touch your life and, and, uh, and it's, it's going to be awesome. And then and some of you, like you've taken that next step from the crowd to what we want to call the congregation. And, and, and it's, in, it's in this place where, where you've gone from like just come and see to now where, you're, where the invitation is, well, come and Come and join. Come and join. And I tell you what, I want you to just come and see for a long time. I'd like you to just, you know, take weeks, take a few months and come and see. And, and just see. And, and, it, and actually maybe that, that this isn't the right church for you. And you find, need to find another. You better find a church, though. You better join someplace. And, and, but come and see for a while and see if this is the place for you. And, and, then, and then come and join at some point. And this is, yeah, come and join our church. But some of you may need to just come and join Jesus. 
where whether you stay here or go somewhere, man, I, 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 was, I, I get to meet all kinds of great pastors in this community. And I was just a, at a coffee shop yesterday with, with two pastors and, and, uh, from two different churches. And, and I, one of the pastors, pastors a, a relatively larger congregation, and I walk in and he says, Jonathan, I just want you to know, uh, every time I see you, I just think, I like that guy. And I'm like, well, me too. I, me too. <laughs> But I say that, to, like, we've got great places, great, great Bible teaching places in this community. If it's not here, it's somewhere. The first thing, join Jesus. But you may also find that you want to join this place on your spiritual walk. And, and part of the way you do this, we, we, we got things that are starting up. Like next week, we've got Discover Track. Or we've got, and starting in, I think he said the 10th, the week of the 10th, we've got Connect Groups and all these things. And these are ways. Like, how do I join? How do I get a part? How do I grow? Well, this next, this next group of people is the committed. We, we call it the committed. Committed to the Lord and, and all this. And, and the committed, like, as we look at the committed, as we, we think about this, we're thinking this. We're, we're, thinking, we're thinking, here, come and grow. When, this is the invitation. This is what Jesus is saying to the committed. He's saying, come and grow. Like, first you come and see, then you come and join. Now he's inviting, come and grow. Come and grow. And how, how do I grow? How do I grow in my walk? There's all kinds of ways. Man, there's all kinds of ways to do this. And, and, uh, and, but in our, in our church, we, we just give you some, some options. Um, obviously, the, the starting place is Discover Track, where you get to discover your design and your purpose. But our connect groups, you want to find freedom and you want to grow in your walk with God? We, we do believe this. That, that true freedom and true growth happens in the context of relationships. Because the Jesus in me and the Jesus in you, we get together, iron sharpens iron, and we start to find that there's freedom and there's discipleship and there's growth, and we pray together. And, and so you come and grow. And then there's this next group of people, and you're like, wait, there's more? I, I, and, and this might be a few of you, and, I, and it starts out big. It starts out the crowd, and it starts to get smaller. I, and I think there's a reason for that. I think because s- some people just, uh, they're not yet ready to make the next step. And my encouragement is just make the next step. But this fourth group is, is the core. The core. And in this group, the invitation, the appeal is, hey, come and serve. Come and serve. And, and so this is where Jesus is, you're on this journey, and now, now you're growing your walk with God, and now he's saying, hey, let's, let's be part of this. Let's be part of the team. Come and serve. And I'll tell you what, we've got, I think, the best dream team here. And when you came in, there were people greeting you at the door. There were people serving you coffee. There's people that chose not to be in this great service and listen to this great sermon, right, you know, because they're, they're ministering to your kids in, in the wing, and there's, there's people that, that pray, come early and pray for you and for me, and there's people up in the booth, and, and, and there's a place, whatever your gift is, what, you discover that gift. And, and I think the invitation Jesus is saying, whether it be here or someplace else, is at some point, it's not just about you. It's also about you serving Jesus and serving people. And, and so he says, he says, come and serve. Come and serve. Well, here's the last one. And this, uh, I, I, think, I think few people get here. It, this is the commission. And I think Jesus was actually talking about this more than anything else when he was talking to his friends here in Mark chapter 8, the commissioned. This is, this is where, like, the rubber meets the road. This is that next step. And some of us in this room, like, we need to, we need to take the step to hear the commission because, because Jesus is saying, hey, here's the invitation. Come and die. Come and die. And you're like, What? Come and die. And he's like, no, 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 seriously. And, and you know what? Uh, for most of us in this room, this isn't going to be literal. You know, we're not going to experience the persecution that's happening all over the world. I mean, there are literally people dying for Jesus all over the world, more, more today than ever in, in history. People are dying for Jesus. But he's really just saying, like, it's not about you anymore. It's not about preferences. This is all about Jesus. Would you lay it all down? Would you lay it? Would you lay it all down? This, this song uh, well, I don't know. Some of you didn't know it was a song. A lot of you, a lot of you, are like, oh, I've recognized the title of that message. I have decided to follow Jesus. Do you guys remember that there was an old song, and uh, there was actually a story about that song. I have decided to follow Jesus. About 150 years ago, there was a revival, and a revival just means that all of a sudden everybody revived. Like all of a sudden, everyone woke up and were like, hey, Jesus is a good deal. And and there was a revival like that, like like God really specifically hit a place in um, in England, Wales, England, and, and there was a revival there, and everybody, like tons of people come to know Jesus. And out of that revival, 
missionaries started going from England to this northern, uh, northeast part of India. And they started ministering to a, a region called the Assam. And there were just hundreds of tribes in this, uh, um, in this region, hundreds of tribes. And they were primitive tribes. They were aggressive tribes. And, and, uh, and one of the things, the tribesmen, they were also called headhunters in this, in this region. And in order to, like, the social uh, acceptable thing to, like, grow in, in social ranks for the men was to um, actually kill people and take their heads and hang them on the walls of their, of their huts. And the more heads you had, the more awesome you were, evidently. And, and, uh, and, and, and actually, you, you were thought of as more marriable. <laughs> like, you were the most eligible bachelor if you had, the more heads you had. And so the missionaries go into this hostile environment, this context. These missionaries from, from Wales, from England. And, and uh, after a while, there was one convert, one, one man. Well, one man and his wife and his two children, they, they um, gave their heart to Jesus. And they were, they, it was such a dramatic convert, uh, conversion. And they were so passionate about Jesus that they started winning everybody to the Lord around people in this village and they started and the the chief of this village was angry he was furious he's like like what's going on here and so the chief calls um, that that convert that man in front of the whole village has the whole village come and he says to this man uh, um, will, will you renounce your your faith your conversion would you renounce that and and um, if you do you go you guys can all go free and if you but if you don't um, we're going to kill, kill your children. And, and he, he says, uh, oh, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And the chief commands the archers to arrow down his two children, boom, right in front of him, right in front of him. And they're dying right in front of him. And the chief, more furious now, asks the same thing to this man Will you now renounce your faith or else we're going to kill your wife? And he says, though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. And again, she dies right in front of him. And at this point, the chief thinks, okay, after this, if you want to save your life, like you can just renounce your faith. And he says, uh, The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. And again, he dies right there on the spot. And it was just, I mean, it's a beautiful story. And, but the even more miraculous part of this is the chief, just overwhelmed by the faith of this man, he actually eventually gives his heart to Jesus. And the whole village starts to follow Jesus. And it's interesting, we sing these words, but the words of that song, I have decided to follow Jesus, comes, first came out of the mouth of this man that literally decided, come, come and die. Come and die. And for us, I don't know what the next step is for you, but whatever it is, maybe you're going from no commitment to total commitment. Maybe you're going from consumer to contributor. Or maybe you're going from savior what, what, what's in it for me to Lord, what can I do for him? And wherever you're at in that journey, I just want to champion you. I want to partner with you. This church wants to partner with you. Could we stand together to get today and our, as our worship team comes? And uh, um, I hope that ministered to you. It ministered to me, even just hearing that story. Wherever you're at in that journey, today, today's the day. Today's the day. There's going to be people here in just a few minutes, just up here in the altar. And, and if you're comfortable coming forward and having someone pray with you about anything, like, like you know what, man, I, I'm somewhere on this journey and I want to just take the next step. I've, I've recognized that, that I haven't, you know, gone to that next place of total surrender or whatever it might be. Or maybe this is all brand new to you. And, and I'll tell you what, if you just, if you say, Jonathan, I just don't know Jesus yet as my personal Savior. I don't know if I were to die today if I'd go to heaven. Like, would you, would you come up? Uh, my friend Keith will be over here, different people on the altar, and just tell them, I need Jesus. And, and we've got information. We've got some Bibles. We've got, we, we, we have the information you need to, go, to take that next step in your, in your walk with God. I'm just going to pray for us, and we're going to sing one song. During that song, you're welcome to come forward. And, 
And uh, what I would also say, some of you are like, man, I just don't feel like coming forward. I'm not comfortable. There's a connect card. And on that connect card, you can just indicate that you've made a decision or you're wanting to make a decision. And you can actually turn that into a pastor or an usher. And we'll get a hold of you this week. And we'll say, hey, I, I noticed that you, you marked that. And let's have a conversation. We can talk if that's more comfortable for you. Jesus, all over this place, Lord, would you challenge hearts? Would you challenge me? Would you challenge all of us to just take the next step? Just take the next step into this place of eventually total surrender to the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. You're so good, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you rest upon us from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet to the tips of our fingers? May we just encounter you in a fresh new way today. We worship you right now. As, this, as we're worshiping, you're welcome to come forward in just a minute. We'll just release everybody. God bless you guys. like to stay, if you'd like to come forward, it's not too late. If you need prayer for anything, any area of breakthrough in your life, you're welcome to come up and get prayer. If you need to leave, you're welcome to leave, and the kids are ready to be taken, and all of those things. And so, God bless you. We'll see you next week. Love you very much. What we lacked. What we lacked. Your blood has covered. Get us what you paid for. Cause through your death, our lives reborn. The joy of our salvation. Praise will be my song. How can I contain it? I cannot contain this love. Praise 